All right, welcome to the RevOps Review. My name is Jeff Ignacio, I'm the host, and I'm joined today by a special guest, Giovanni Torres. He goes by Gio. Uh, Gio is awesome. I've known him for several years now. He's currently on the revenue operations team at Wiz and currently specializes in scaling hyper-growth companies, which I'm happy to dig into with you. So Gio, welcome. Thanks, Jeff, for having me. I'm excited to talk RevOps, talk anything about RevOps today, and uh, let's get into it. That's cool, man. Hey, so I know you just joined a new company. Congratulations. How long has it been there at Wiz? Yeah, so I've been at Wiz uh, for about six months now. Um, joined last November. Uh, still feel like I'm learning everything about the business. It's, it's new, but it's exciting just being uh, having an inside view and just being in a company that's really growing and scaling, especially from the RevOps point of view. Cool. It's 2023 and it feels like there's a recession looming or has this been the most telegraphed recession on the planet? The fact that you're at a growth company uh, means a whole lot. So today I'd like to dig in with you a little bit. We were talking beforehand and prep like topics that we want to dig into. And, you know, you're in a leadership position, but also in an IC position, the leadership and the position in that, you know, you're working with stakeholders who look to you for authority, who look to you for guidance on how to run the business. So I'd like to dig into, you know, the world of the individual contributor, the IC, and, a, and an approach to dealing with stakeholders. I'd be curious to hear, you know, your take on stepping into Wiz. What was, what were your expectations around the role? And then what was kind of a little bit surprising once you got there? Yeah. So uh, I didn't really know anything about Wiz. I didn't come from the cloud security space. Um, I learned about Wiz when they made that 100 million uh, announcement in ARR that they were one of the fastest startups to reach there. So that obviously caught my eye. Uh, I saw a role on the go-to-market ops team uh, and I went for it. And I I've, uh, am lucky enough to, to be able to get a role here. Um, I think first thing, just when I, when I get into any new role, but particularly at Wiz, is what is the context behind how they grew the team? Um, you know, how do they hire the AEs? What is the go-to-market motion? Um, what is the sales process like? What is our sales methodology? So I'm in learning mode in the first 30 to 60 days. Um, I really just want to listen in and I almost do like a listening tour with all the stakeholders that I'm working with before I offer any sort of solutions. Because um, without context, I want to make sure that I'm not, you know, stepping into the wrong direction. Um, so I think the biggest thing for me is me being really closely working with the sales leaders, um, particularly in my segments, I want to make sure that I'm supportive in any capacity that they uh, really want to go into any direction with hitting their targets. So I always make an analogy to anybody who's asking me, you know, if I'm, if I'm sort of the pit crew of the Formula One team, they're the, they're the drivers. So making sure everything is, is good in their purview, I'm spotting any blind spots for them and just helping them hit the targets uh, for them to go and, and run. That's amazing. Yeah. I'm not sure if you've read, uh, what was the book? Um, what, what a unicorn knows, or uh, I'm trying to remember what the book was, but they were talking about a pit stop and how pit stops and, you know, decades ago were, you know, 15 to, you know, 30 seconds. And now you look at it and they take less than two seconds. So the ability to, you know, you know, impact what happens on the track actually begins sometimes, um, you know, with the pit stop crew. So super interesting. Now tell me a little bit more about the team that you're supporting. Yeah, so I support um, our mid-market business and then also our newer, our newer segment, which is almost like an SMB segment. Um, so our sellers are scattered across uh, North America here. Um, and I'm working with a lot really closely with the regional directors of those teams. So my day-to-day -day is a little bit of project management, making sure whatever projects that I'm working on in particular and go to market ops is there, but also 
uh, helping run pipeline meetings, um, deal reviews, forecasting, anything that's also geared towards the sales ops uh, perspective on that end. So really trying to be the COO if the regional director that I'm working with is the CEO and making sure that I'm helping them hit uh, and see any anything around the corner for them. So you're the COO to the RD, the regional director. You've got a little bit of the operating rhythm, the cadences that you're running. So pipeline calls, forecasting, uh, those are all things that I preach, um, especially with the RevOps course, that it's a key pillar to the house of revenue. The second is the project management piece. Um, I'd love to dig into that a little bit with you. Um, so when you're going through your projects, these are extracurricular to the cadences. And if so, like, tell me about a kind of a project. Yeah. So I also, I actually think like with RevOps, there is not enough focus on project management. And this is coming from when I was at Udemy, an e-learning company, and I was one of the founding members of the RevOps team. And most of my job was more of a, of a generalist role, but just project management across our entire go-to-market ops team. Um, so with, with different projects that come up, it could be anything from rolling out a new tool. It could be um, helping with a new pipeline or sales campaign, just really being the liaison or the cross-functional partner uh, to all the other teams working with marketing, product marketing, um, enablement and, and other teams that need to actually have uh, an impactful project to the sales team. So I'm almost the conduit for all of these things that are going on. And I kind of shield the RDs or the sales teams to make sure that, you know, they're focused on hitting their numbers, but also I can help with any projects and rolling it out for them. So with that comes probably some cross-functional partnership. You mentioned sales several times as a group that you're interfacing with, but tell me a little bit about the other groups. Are you working with finance, with product with it marketing can you go into some of those partners that you work with yeah so um i'm working with marketing and uh i'm working with uh finance a little bit but that's more of our desk team uh i work with our cs operations team a lot but right now a particular project that i'm working on is potentially a new product launch for the team so making sure our product marketers are aware of what's our go-to-market strategy for this how are we going to roll this out to the team what is exactly the AEs need to do in terms of the next steps? Uh, if we do have a product launch, uh, how do they get enabled? Where do they find these resources? Um, because you know, it's one thing just to launch something out into the world and say, hey, we're good to go and assume the AEs are going to do it. I'm there to make sure that the AEs are really aware, they're enabled to know exactly what the product marketing needs. Um, and then the second component of that is the metrics behind it, right? So how do you measure what the success is behind a launch? Is it pipeline generated? Is it closed when ACV? Uh, is it something that's intangible? So making sure that we can go back quarter over quarter and say, yeah, this launch was successful because of the deals that we created or the closed one deals or even the competitive nature of something. Um, I have to project manage a little bit uh, of everything there. So you're tying the kind of eventual business impact to the projects that you have. I'm always reminded of, you know, when I'm leading my teams or programs or projects that we have, that there's also the idea of what type of project management should we employ? So for example, for larger projects that are somewhat of a one-way street, some way some, some folks talk about a one-way door, those decisions are hard to reverse. And so in that case, a waterfall methodology probably still makes the most sense where you're gathering requirements, functionally designing, working with your technical team to configure, or if you're a one-person team, designing it and configuring it yourself, testing the solution with the stakeholders, and then preparing them and getting them ready for that go live, which is going to be that big change management piece then there are your other projects, which are easy, things you can easily reverse. These are your two-way doors. And in my view, those are probably best left for an agile type of you know, release. And you're constantly working on improving the business, but not necessarily always launching something when it's perfect. 
Um, so I think those are some interesting concepts around tying revenue and then figuring out the, the right tool of choice for your project management piece. You know, when, when it comes to working with multiple stakeholders, I often find that folks are looking heads down and they're trying to march in the right direction with one another, but at the same time, they're focused on, you know, whatever they're looking at. And that can sometimes create competing priorities and those priorities might not be in line with yours. I'd love to walk through a project where, you know, you're developing some sort of handoff between your SDR organization to your sales, or you're from sales to your CS. And did you come ever come across kind of a miscommunication with certain stakeholders? Yeah, I think it, uh, it happens more often than we think. Um, and I think for me, the biggest thing is just to make sure everyone's aware of the issue or, you know, aware that there is a gap in our communication uh, or in our process. So, um, you know, I've experienced uh, before uh, different sort of SLAs that weren't being met between an SDR and the AEs when it comes to passing over a lead, potentially a hot lead that needs to be followed up with. And where is the breakdown in the gap? Um, and what I found out was honestly just the leaders weren't talking to the right people, right? So the leaders between both teams had two completely different ways of viewing something. Um, and I think I came in and kind of foster that communication between the teams. You almost have to play a little bit of therapist. You almost have to be the mediator when it comes to it, but just make sure we're all going in the right direction. I think it's easily, it's, it's very easy for us to come in from our point of view and say, hey, this way is the right way or this way is the wrong way. But without understanding the context behind everything, and the history of why each group thinks a certain way or why a process a certain way, um, you're almost you know failing at that unless you understand the, the entire picture. So that's why I always come in. I always try to make sure that I'm playing you know parts for for everybody, and I'm making sure that everybody's on the same page and, and aligned once we move forward with it. Yeah, a real life example of that would be I worked with uh, an SDR organization, and you know their their uh, conversion rates from connect that conversations they actually held to meetings that they were scheduling were quite low. And then they had an issue with the meetings that they did schedule having a pretty low stick rate, like meetings were actually held with the right prospect. And what we found was that there was no guidance or direction to what job titles they should be calling into. So um, marketing and sales and product management, product marketing had to get together and align on language and said, this is the type of industry you want to go after. So that, that was endemic with, within the territories that we set. And then on the inbound basis, we had to work with the SDR team, say quickly qualify in or out based on the company, but then also take a look at the job title. The job title doesn't really make sense, may not be a perfect fit. And so you might want to at least keep the relationship warm, but start continue to work that account in other ways. And we tracked a metric called persona compliance. That persona compliance metric was just simply taking a look at how good were we at following this rubric that we gave everyone? And we found something interesting. New reps that came in did a pretty decent job of actually following that persona compliance post-training, but it was the reps who came in the previous cohorts who didn't have that training that they were kind of all over the place. It was more of a spray and pray. So we had to kind of correct uh, correct those alignments. Super interesting. Uh, when it talks about communication, uh, you know, that's, you know, really baselining metrics. I'd be curious about, you know, when you're working with your CS organization, you know, uh, when you're thinking about onboarding or implementing, you know, what are some of those uh, kind of tactical projects that you've worked on to make sure that your CS experience is not giving the prospect a runaround? When the customer signs up with you, they realize, oh, I'm getting the same information between my sales rep and the CS must be because, you know, Gio's been involved in helping with that process. 
Yeah, I uh, I have a great uh, partner in the in the CS team here at Wiz and CS operations specifically. Um, she's amazing at what she does, and uh, kudos to her for for all the things. But one of the examples that we have is in a, just kind of up and running is um, customer health scores. I think it's a great way just to get a quick assessment of how the customer is doing, making sure that even though we got to a close one deal, the handoff process uh, and all the details that are there, obviously in Salesforce or whatever um, customer success management tool that you want to use, and then the post sales as well. Um, and there's a, there's a you know really good line of communication between the sales and the customer success manager um, when it comes to how the customer is doing you know, in the first 30 to 60 to 90 days. And then me on my end, being able to report on these things. Um, so it's like, hey, like just to make sure that we're in Salesforce and we're reporting uh, you know, the right, the right uh, health scores of, you know, that's something that I love being able to measure and to be able to kind of do more analysis on, but our CS operations team does a great job in getting me some of the metrics I need and customer health scores is one of my favorite ones. That's awesome. So let's say, for example, you get the customer health score. How frequently are you building cadences between ops teams, right? We talk about the cadences that you have with your business partners. Can you walk me through the cadence with your operating partners? Is that monthly? Is that weekly? Like how, how are you guys operating? Yeah, so I would say uh, since we're a, a very fast moving company, it's very ad hoc. So you know, we we either are talking every single day on Slack, every other day about a new project. Uh, we we move pretty fast, but as an overall organization in terms of ops, we we meet bi weekly um, with a sort of an all revenue ops call, um, and there is where we kind of present some of our projects. So a customer health score is a, is a great project that's that's obviously launching for us. Um, and so being able to hear from that CS ops partner and being able to, you know, kind of see what, how it's going to affect us, how is this going to affect my direct business partners as an IC is super helpful for me. I can literally take that information and tell the regional directors I'm working with, Hey, this is coming down the pipe. This is how we can use it. This is why it's important. Um, so then they are aware of it. And, and really, I think having a biweekly cadence is good for me, but obviously, uh, that person is one slack away from me learning everything that I need to know about CS operations. Yeah, I think there's the formal bridge, then there's the informal bridge, right? Like in a world of working remotely, that informal bridge is harder to, to maintain. I, I remember working, you know, with colleagues in an office and we'd have these backdoor conversations in the hallway and a lot of innovation would happen in those random one-off conversations. But with the RevOps meeting, it sounds like you're able to get plugged into kind of the greater initiatives for the business, such as the health score. Then the second one is that, you know, the ad hoc, hey, building a strong relationship with your CS ops partner. That's awesome. So I would be curious about, you know, the cadences with your formal partner, your, 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 um, your RD, how often are you meeting with the RD for, you know, and how many cadences are you running with them? Yeah. So we typically like to do bi-weekly as well. Um, when I first started off and just getting up to speed, I was once a week, uh, but I have five RDs that I work with. Um, and it's a lot, uh, obviously I also have one-on-one with my manager and some of my other closer teammates. So being an IC, a lot of the times I feel like I shouldn't be in most of my meetings and I have to be able to tell myself, no, I feel like as a, as a RevOps person, our first answer to everything is yes, I want to help. Yes. I want to attend these. Yes. I need more information, but I realize working with cross-functional partners and also working with my direct business partners, like the RDs, I need to make sure that I'm you know, setting time for myself to work on the things that they need me to do as well. So whether it's a biweekly cadence, um, and we, we, we try to set up one-on-ones obviously for every, every other week, sometimes it's more than that. Cause it's like, Hey, here's an emergency. I need to kind of just hop on a call with you, but open lines of communication, but at the bare minimum, I think a biweekly cadence would be helpful, um, for any IC out there that's just working directly with their, 
uh, direct business partners. Yeah, so your span of control is five to one, right? So you're interfacing with five sales managers. Biweekly makes sense to me because a weekly would eat up uh, five hours a week or if you have a 60 minute cadence with them. And quite frankly, the probably the effectiveness of that cadence would, wouldn't be very, um, wouldn't be very good from week to week because you're probably talking about the same things. But a biweekly cadence allows you to have enough change go by. And then if you need to, you can have these async cadences. So for example, many folks think cadences are meetings. I think sometimes they can just be as simple as an email. It's something that's an email that goes out each week and it's an update or it's just a check-in on Slack. And so, you know, when you find out what cadences you should run, what's the correct format? Does it always have to be a face-to-face? I don't think it. Ha- I don't think it does, especially if, it, if the cadence starts to lose its effectiveness over time. Um, so I'm curious, you know, when you think about um, best practices around engaging with business partners, what's something that you know you're personally working on that you think you can get better at? Yeah, I think I can definitely get better at pushing back on certain things and not jumping into solution mode when the issue or the problem calls for just listening. Um, and, and walking them through it. So I think a lot of times I feel like uh, I need to be a mirror for that person, uh, whether it's the RDs that I'm working with or cross function partners to help them walk through it themselves. I'm like, hey, like this is an issue, but is it really an issue for us to drop everything and actually go and prioritize this? Um, or I'll just roll out like, hey, like here's my priorities that we talked about in our last cadence or our last one-on-one. Do I need to drop any of these to make sure you know we're going to be putting this at the top? And once I usually walk them through that, it's like, oh no, it's this is not as important as something else. Or yes, it is. But I think early on in my career, and I'm still struggling with this today. I love to say yes, I will help you. Like I go into solution mode and I go into that rev ops mode where it's hard to get out of. But I think the biggest thing is just take a deep breath, step away a little bit, and say, hey, does this actually call for your time? And do you actually need to do this? And what is the biggest impact? So now. Early in my career, it was busy, 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 solve everything. But now my career is what's going to make the most impact to help drive revenue, to help drive pipeline for the company overall. And I always bring those two thoughts, revenue and pipeline, when it comes to whatever project that I'm working on, um, because that's the only cards I can play because my my other side of their brain is saying, just help this person because they need your help. And the other side is like, you don't have enough time, prioritize impact. So I think there's some interesting nuggets there, right? When you think about... Uh, wanting to say yes to everything, you actually put yourself at more risk of under-delivering across everything. And so when you're able to take a step back, but also overly communicate forward to your your partners, you can then level set. And then all the time, you know, a lot of folks don't even know what you're working on, I find, in revenue operations. It's like, well, I could work on that, but I've got like these other 18, these 18 other things on my plate and I'm, I'm probably backlogged. And you find out, realize their eyes open up and go, oh my gosh, I had no idea you're working on those other things. In the grand scheme of things, amongst all your priorities, this is important to me, but I don't need it at this very moment. Is it possible to get it at this other time? And I think the framework that you have in mind is really interesting in that you're relating it to kind of key metrics or key results for the organization. Uh, you said revenue and pipeline. And ultimately, it's your North Star, right? You can always use that as your tenant to fall back on. So I want to ask you just a couple things around, you know, next steps, you know, projects that you're excited about coming up. You know, what are you personally looking forward to, either personal or professional? Yeah, um, personally, you know, I'm actually just doing things like this, being able to talk to people in the revenue operations space, um, operators like yourself, learning from them. Uh, I want to be able to say 
five years from now in my career that I know how a seed company or a series A company from a revenue operation space grows to a public company um, and the ins and outs of it at each stage and learning from people who are in that. Um, and I think also just professionally, I love being able to learn from random you know, ideas or random projects that I can apply to my day-to-day job. Um, so if, if some great sales player or some you know LinkedIn sales navigator sales play that actually worked. I love bringing that to the team. Or I love bringing anything that can actually help, uh, you know, with my sellers be able to hit their targets. Um, I'm very, I'm very seller oriented when it comes to it because I work so directly with them. Um, and then just, you know, I think I love just starting on my content journey. So I love being able to talk to people like yourself. Obviously we, we've known each other for a couple of years now um, and just learning from people like you uh, to really look at how I want to view my career um, and how I want to grow from there. Hey, I personally think you're well on your way. So just to recap a little bit with what you said, uh, one, just the ability to exercise continuous learning. Second, to put that learning right into practice. And then third, you know, really building yourself up as uh, a, 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 a real problem solver and being able to communicate that with external audiences through your content journey. So that's awesome. Hey, Gio, I really appreciate having you on. For the audience members out there, how can folks connect with you? Connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, that's the best way. Send me a DM if you want to learn anything about my background, if you want to learn anything about early career struggles or just RevOps in general, send me a DM. And uh, Jeff, it's been great talking to you and I appreciate the time.